Hello, welcome to Free Will Science and Religion. I'm Chandler Klebs. I'm here with George Ortega, Trick Slattery, Quaid, and Monique. And we're going to be talking a little bit about free will or free choice in the context of politics because people say, oh, you're free to vote for any candidate as, lo as long as it's one of these two or whatever. You know, I mean, people, they blame people for, for voting for candidates they don't think they should. And, but I think we need to go into what determining factors cause people to vote for who they do, what motivations, and how does what we are educated in, what we're taught um, by the media and those around us affects our voting, as well as how the system actually works. And it was Monique who wanted to talk about some of, some of these things, and we and so she can present what she's got, but we can all say something. So how about it, Monique? Okay, that sounds good. Well, I really got involved with this whole Bernie Sanders situation because I I heard that he was doing a rally in Carson, California, which is part of L.A. County, and I went and I I was really. Uh, enthralled by what Bernie had to say and it was so peaceful and there was the, the highest vibes ever I left and I thought wow I, I really like to support this this person and then I was contacted by somebody that I hadn't spoken to in about 10 years he's a composer he does electronica music and I said to him wow why don't we do an electronica song for Bernie so we spent three weeks working on this music project, and I took footage from um, a, a different rally that I then went to for Bernie in Lancaster, California, and it, it was a lot of fun, and I just put up the music video. You can find it on YouTube, Feel the Burn, I'm Bernie Sanders, and I thought, you know, I really would love to support Bernie at the DNC. My, my mother's right outside of Philadelphia, and I hadn't seen her for a long time. So um, she helped me get out here. Thanks, Mom, uh, from L.A. to Philadelphia. And I've spent the past week outside the DNC with the Bernie Rallyers. Every day there has been something. Um, the first day of the, of the DNC, there was a huge rally going from City Hall to FDR Park, which was right outside um, where everything was happening. I think that was about a seven-mile walk. Who was I tired? Uh, and then the next day, it was a Bernie or Bust rally along with Black Men for Bernie. Um, and then just like every day, there's been something. Jill Stein from the Green Party talked on Tuesday. Uh, there's been meetings from a brand-new Congress. They're trying to put officials, you know, uncorrupted officials into Congress, do things a new way. Uh, and then the, the day after the DNC, I met with about 40 others. Um, some of them were Bernie delegates, other supporters. We met right outside the Liberty Bell on the, in the park. And um, we, we all came up with ideas on you know, how to expose what happened uh, to Bernie and what to do from here. Now, in the meantime, every time I went home, I was watching the DNC uh, on, on the TV and, and just reading a lot of articles. Now, what I've found is, uh, well, first of all, Bernie was expecting to go into the DNC 
I b- believe, like, uncontested. I, I, I don't think he was supposed to give any sort of speech for Hillary Clinton, but things... Things turned around. Um, I was at the Santa Monica, California rally the night of right after the presidential primary elections had ended. Of course, votes were still being uh, tallied because I didn't even get my vote um, postcard back for a month and a half. I did uh, something called a provisionary um, vote because they, they didn't even change my, my party. They didn't have the right party on there that I had written in to change. You had to write like the party that you wanted. And I wanted the de- Democratic because, of course, I wanted to vote for Bernie. So um, that that's a little bit of a red flag there. I know that it takes time to uh, count count provisional votes, but I believe that my party, my proper party should have been there. And it wasn't. Um Okay, so where we are right now is I've spoke to delegates that this is fact. This is fact. I've seen it on video. I know for a fact on the last day, now this was after Bernie had pledged his support to Hillary, um, and it was right before Hillary was going to make her acceptance speech. There were delegates who had paid to be at the DNC, and who had credentials around their neck. This was the way to get into the DNC. Um, This was how the Secret Service would know if somebody should be in the conference or not. And what happened is um, there were some Bernie people that went outside to protest uh, what was happening. And when they went back into the conference, their seats had been taken. And who had taken the seats? Paid audience for 50 bucks a pop. They were sitting in seats that were designated to look like they were for Hillary. I mean, now, you know, I live in Los Angeles, California, and I've been a paid audience member for game shows and the like. You know, it's hard to get that many people in there. People work and whatnot. So, um, you know, this just kind of makes sense because it was being televised. And, you know, they wanted a polished look and they didn't want any sort of, um, you know, they didn't want it to look like there were still Bernie Sanders peoples that were walking out because there was a walkout after the um, after the uh, what was it called? The the delegates, the the roll call. So they didn't want another one of those. Um, I saw on video like people with their heads down. They didn't want to move out of these chairs where the delegates were saying, hey, I have credentials. I'm supposed to be here. There were also um, machines, white noise machines that were above the most outspoken states for Bernie Sanders so that if there was going to be something that was said about Hillary that the DNC wanted a yay, they would, you know, and they knew that the Sanders people were going to go, oh, or whatever, they would put the white noise machines on. Now, granted, this was after the roll call that this stuff happened. But I mean, to me, this does not seem like it's uh, like it's patriotic or democratic. I mean, these people had paid to be there. They ought to be able to give their, their their voice, and they were elected to be delegates. So for this to happen, 
that's just that's really rocking the boat as far as I'm concerned. And then, of course, we know about the WikiLeak emails that came out. Now, I am not an advocate for hacking into businesses. I'm really not. But whatever the case may be, this did happen. And there's there's emails stating that this Wasserman woman who was in charge of the DNC was trying to usurp Bernie. I mean, the, the DNC, it's not like it's the Republican Party. They're supposed to be open to all Democratic candidates. Yeah, they're a business. I mean, I guess they, they can't really be sued for government infringement, so to speak, I guess, because they're a private business. But nonetheless, they are working for the people like that's their business. And for this to have happened, it's just it's just wrong. And that's why she stepped down. And for Clinton, Hillary Clinton to then the day after take Wasserman into her campaign as an honorary head chair that that's just like that's just wrong right there. Um, so now we have corruption within the DNC, corruption with uh, voter ballots. You know, I didn't look so much into the um, the election fraud, but I I can say firsthand that I was supposed to be the Democratic Party. I I had signed up for that because of Bernie. And when I went in to uh, vote, I was still at my original party, which was the Peace and Freedom Party, which you probably never heard of. <laughs> and I was that because I had uh, supported someone who was in that um, that party. So uh, if that happened to me, I'm sure that happened to a lot of people. And you know, there there's just a lot of people that are speaking out now about the um about what happened to them during the election. So with all that, I don't feel that there was a free will choice. Uh, well, they might have thought they had free will, but in actuality, they did not. Monique, let me address what you're saying from a wider context. Um, I think what happened that denied uh, Bernie a fair chance at the Democratic nomination was the Democratic Party's process of superdelegates. In other words, like Hillary went in with hundreds, uh, I think over 500 superdelegates that were, you know, basically signed to her from the Democratic elites. And yes, and that is wrong. That's unfair. And, and you know, Bernie's also like, this is, the wider issue here is, is about money in politics. In other words, like rich people within the Democratic Party control the party, just like within the Republican Party, rich people control that party. And so Sanders' message about getting money out of politics is, 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 is dead on. It, it's square. I mean, like, you know, that if, if anything is going to be done about climate change, about all the kinds of things that we need to do in the world, in this country, you know, it can't, they can't really be done without um, getting the money out of politics. Um, so. Dead on is right, George, just really, real quick. You know, a couple people here were murdered in the process and, you know, people don't know what's happened. Okay, well, one was murdered, one is questionable. Um, the, the one that we know is uh, this Seth uh, Rich, I think is his last name, 27 uh, years old. Let me, let me Go ahead. Like, you know, the accusations of murder and stuff, they're coming from the Republican Party. And you have to, whenever you hear anything from the Republican Party, the context you have to put that in is that this entire political party 
denies that climate change is happening. You know, so if they, can, if they can tell such a huge consequential lie, I think it's very reasonable to suppose that they lie all of the time. I mean, like the Democrats aren't angels. You know, I think the Democrats are far more moral than, than the Republicans. But again, like with these stories of, of like, you know, Hillary doing this and that, chances are the, 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 the chance is by far more um, probable that it's a Republican lie than it's, and it's an actual, you know, um, case that they have against Hillary or not just Hillary, against Democrats in general. I mean, the, I mean, if you look at Trump, I mean, like he just lied. You know, he was on 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 an interview saying that he got a letter from the M from the M NFL saying that like that the that um they didn't want the um the schedule of the debates as it was, and, and it turned out that NFL wrote a letter to the media saying no, we never sent that letter. You know, so so again, Trump and the Republicans lie. So like. You, you have to, like, measure anything that you hear against Clinton and against Democrats. You know, um, you have to weigh that against a, a Republican Party that just lies as policy. Well, that's fine, George. And maybe they had something to do with it. But, you know, there's too much proof that there, there was some hanky-panky going on at the DNC. I mean, there's no, there's I'm, agreeing no question. I'm agreeing with it. It's like, yeah, and... Uh, you're right. The, the, the Democratic Committee, the rich people within the Democratic Party denied uh, Bernie a fair chance. I agree with you. Um, and, and so hopefully what's going to come out of this is in 2020, you know, maybe we'll get rid of the, the superdelegate um, system. I think that'd be fairest. Maybe, maybe we'll get money out of politics. Um, yes, but, but in the meantime, we need to straighten this out because, uh, you know, there are other people that are running. There's Jill Stein from the Green Party. I know she doesn't have enough momentum right now, but the, I, I can tell you that I belong to about 15 Bernie Sanders Facebook groups. And I would have to say um, only one out of 10 say that they're going to vote for Hillary after all this debacle. So really what Sanders did whether it was under psychological threats, physical threats, whatever, or just because he he didn't want to fight anymore, he just wanted unity. Whatever the whatever his reasoning was, unfortunately, it, it's actually deunified because um, most of the support the supporters it seems will not be voting for Hillary. So you know it's a shame. And please understand, I am not a proponent of Trump by all means, not at all. <sighs> So um, we we do have this on our hands. I, I really don't feel that a lot of people want her in the office for four years. I think that they want to start um, a new change right now. And uh, so we're going to have to see what happens with that. I, I, I don't know what the procedures are as far as putting two people on, on the party list to vote, you know, like her. And that, I mean, to me, that seems like it would be a reasonable solution to put Hillary and Bernie on there if he even wants to, because he's really not speaking. He keeps saying he's supporting Hillary, although there was a tweet that came out today that um, from his camp that said there are plenty of progressive presidents to vote for. That came out of his like tweet. So people are saying, oh, maybe that's a code. Um, and as far as the one gentleman who was, he really was murdered in Washington, D.C. His name is Seth. 
he was gunned down. Um, he was not, nothing was taken from him. And they're investigating on what motives there would be. Hey, maybe the pro Republicans did do it. I don't know, but he re he truly was murdered. And that w it, he was an investigator for um, DNC fraud. So, and as far as these Russians, though, that um, that the DNC are saying came out with the emails for WikiLeaks. I mean, you know, I mean. Really, it shouldn't. They shouldn't really be focusing on where it came from. It's like you know why you know. It they should be focusing on the content. And again, I am not a, an advocate on hacking into systems. I, I'm really not. But you know they're out there now, and I, I'm really not sure if we should be focusing on on if Russia did it or not, or the Republicans or whatever. It's like it's it's out there. So it needs to, it needs to be smoothed over in a in a in a righteous way, not saying ah oh, the Russians. You know, I I don't I, that's my opinion. And the Russians aren't even taking um they are they aren't they're not even saying that that they did it. So anybody could have done it. They could have done it. Other countries they could have all done it together, but it's out there. Right, so there's there's a whole lot of I guess um, things that are happening that that are probably um, a little bit outside of of what Hillary actually has total control over. So 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 even though a lot of these things seem like they're connected to Hillary, I, th I think there's a lot of things in in the Democratic Party that that really she doesn't have the control that people think that she has over these happenings. Um, and, and, and though she might let them happen, you know, that that's part of playing, I guess, playing dirty within politics. I think we also have to recognize that that she's the better option of her or Trump. So so when it comes to, um, I guess, degrading her position or, or, or Sanders supporters, which which I was, I was I'm, I'm a Sanders supporter. Uh, when they say that they're not going to vote for Hillary, that I think that's a, a very problematic thing because the other option is Trump, and and you you say there's other options, but there really isn't. You there's no other options. The, those are the the two options, and one of them is going to be president. So so, so we have yeah, to. Not at this point. Not at this point. At this point, the two viable options are Hillary and Trump, and right, realistically. Right. But I also think there's a conversation to be had there. That's a that's a. Yeah. It's it's a true it's a true dichotomy, but in a way it's a false dichotomy. It's two systems set up so that people are like if you go to other uh, democratic nations, they have far more options in terms of parties than we right. do in America. Yeah, so, and 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 that's a problem with the the U.S. you know system. We have, we have a lot of problems in our in our voting system that we have to take care of, but but it's not going to happen. Immediately, right? These are long-term yeah. things that have to change. You know, the electoral college. All, all these things have to change within it's the system. It's certainly not going to happen before November. Right. It's exactly. So, so we, so we have Unless to kind of jumps back in, and maybe the class action lawsuit will allow it. I wanted uh, to agree with you, Hillary. Uh, you know, some of these things very well may be out of her control. But one thing I do want to say, she took Wasserman back the next day. Now look, maybe, uh, and she said that 
uh, I had nothing to do with this or these people or whatnot. And then she said she's a very good friend. So, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, if you, if you know somebody a long time, you want to give them another chance. I get it. It's a human thing, but to bring somebody back into her camp as like an honorary head member, I mean, when she knew the, um, the damage that it caused, it's like you're promoting somebody who caused damage. I mean, what does that say for her? That that's very concerning. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I agree with the Wasserman thing. I, I think that was a horrible decision on her part, but that, that's another situation. But but still, I mean, it's still the, you know, we have to look at the, the better of two evils, right? And, and I don't know looking... about that. I don't know. That's what the Bernie people are upset about. They're like, we don't want to choose the, the, the lesser of two evils. They don't want that. And that's why they're continuing the fight. Okay, but 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 I'm saying they don't have a choice. Like like like, uh, I mean, if they don't choose between right the lesser, right? Well, I'm, 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 I'm saying right now. Okay. I I don't I don't think it's going to convert over where where Sanders will be, you know, brought back in. I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, do you think that that's, that's actual an actual possibility? Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I really think it's an actual possibility. He did pledge his support to Hillary, but. If there's a class action lawsuit where the DNC doesn't want to pay hundreds of millions of dollars, if it comes down to that, maybe they'll say, well, look, you know, he should be on the ballot, too. Uh, who knows? Something can happen. I mean, this is, un I, God, I don't know the legal term, unprecedented. Somebody help me. <laughs> this has never happened before. Yeah. Monique, basically, you're saying, in a way, if the people, if they want to vote for Bernie Sanders, they should at least allow, uh, be allowed that, right? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And I, I think that the civil class action lawsuit would go away if uh, the DNC said, we'll put him on the ballot. Because really, it's, it's about giving all the Bernie supporters, donors, their money back. Well, if he's still in the mix, then they they don't have, need to give their money back. That's what I think, at least. Well, well Mike, I, you want to you want to consider the politics of this also. Like, you know, I think we all agree Trump is dangerous. So, like, one possibility suggest you suggested was that Bernie and Hillary should both appear on the ballot, you know, yeah. against Trump, but. You know, I don't know if you realize, but what that would do is it would split the Democratic vote, assuring Trump a victory. I mean, is, is that what, what you would be willing to risk over this? Well, there's always, it's weird that everybody wants to talk about the future as if it's happened. Like, we don't know what's happened. I mean, if, it, if, if another candidate gains a lot of, uh, you know, momentum, great. I, you know, like, I understand that there's a, there's a typification of the way things usually go, but that's obviously been disrupted in a lot of different ways. Um, but that being said, I, I don't, even if all that is a possibility, I, I, I'm not going to say for sure, but I don't think Bernie would go for it. I really don't. I think he knows better. And I think that I, I would agree with George and, uh, trick in that this is, first of all, Bernie Sanders supporters want to act like we lost, okay? And I know it seems that way, and I'm a big Bernie S Sanders supporter myself, by the way, so I sympathize in a lot of ways. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, like, we have our necks under a boot, okay? 
and it is it, it that's the way it is and if you push things too hard your neck will snap so you have you know you have to like be happy with the ground that you gained the, the democratic party is already trying to make reforms when it comes to the superdelegate system uh, we've pointed out she she's already went back on Citizens United. So even though I understand those are just words, at least she's saying it now. At least it's out there and people are hearing about it. Um, so I, I think that I don't I think that Bernie recognizes those things. And he, like George said, he knows that if if he came back into the race, it would be it would be hell for the DNC. And it, I don't, I'm not going to say it would assure Donald Trump a victory, but it would certainly make it much more likely than it is right now. Hey, I have something to say, if you guys don't mind. Um, you know, I understand George's concern that if, if Bernie were somehow able to appear on the ballot uh, alongside Hillary, that it would give this Trump dude... A, a high chance of winning, and that that he considers that a risk. I I, I get that uh, to a certain extent, um, but at the same time, I feel like what we're in here, guys, is a situation where people are voting out of fear, and it's all about assessing risks, and it's not about what a democracy should be, perhaps, maybe, and and so there's a there's a little bit of a conflict because I feel like even. I may not know much about this, but I feel like there needs to be an ideal to strive for. I don't think anyone's striving for an ideal. They're just get, being given this dichotomy between Hillary and Trump instead of what they want. Yeah, Chandler, it's it's actually a problem with the system in the U.S. So 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 I'm an advocate of what's called instant runoff voting. Have you ever heard of that term? Never heard so, of that. Okay, so, well, it's it's a, it's people want, that want instant runoff voting. Basically, it's it's a way to vote. That a lot that allows you to take into account different preferences. So you can take into account Sanders as your first vote, but if Sanders doesn't get enough votes, then then your vote reverts to Hillary's. Okay, so or, or, or whoever you you want as your second candidate. But we don't have that in the United States right now. It's one you just you're just voting for one person. Okay, and if that if that person doesn't get enough votes. It doesn't revert to your second, um, your second preference, basically. Yeah. So right? is that a system that other countries do? What you mentioned there. Right. Right. So so instant runoff voting is a way. It was a way around that, but we don't have uh, in the U.S. They don't have that system. So so that's a problem with the voting system. So we have to vote in this way that we're we're voting for the most. Like, it, the fear has to take it, be taken into account. Yeah. Because if we vote, say, for Sanders, and he gets, let's say, 30% of the Democratic vote, and then Hillary gets um, 40%, okay, or, or whatever, you know, you know what I'm saying? If, if, they, if you split the votes between the two, and it doesn't, you know, if combined, the Democrats would have won, but they wouldn't if, because one's voting for one half and the other's voting for the other half, then it's a problem with the system because the Democrats aren't, aren't winning the vote then. Yeah, right? I agree with you that it's, a, that it's, yeah, it's a problem with the system. Um, and I think this goes into something. It goes into the whole choice and the free choice aspect because, guys, what we're dealing with is we're dealing that people are being given a system, a framework which scares them into voting a certain way. 
And so it's sort of like, how can you call this a free choice, whether in the sense of libertarian or compatibilist free choice? How can you possibly say that people are free to, to choose uh, who they vote for in any meaningful sense? Right. So, so they're, they're free to choose. Well, they're not. Yeah, there's, there's no free will, obviously, but people are free to choose. Uncoerced by other people, by other people. That's the thing. Is we're, we're, we're none of us are not coerced by our lives. Like that's the myth that people need to get over. Right. Like we are right. all coerced by the contents and the progression of our own lives and genetics. But right. what we need to stop at is not being coerced by other humans. That needs to be the barrier right. where we can say we're free. We don't have free will because in order to have free will, your will would have to be not attached to. The contents of your previous, you know, life or whatever you did in the past, and, and uh, we're also we're also coerced by the system that we have in place. So we, we we have a specific system in place right now. We're coerced by that. We can only follow that specific system or try to change that system. But changing that system is a long process. It isn't going to happen immediately. So, but but yeah, we should definitely change our voting system. But we can't do if we can't do that, we have to work within the system. And yeah. the only way to work within the system is to vote for the lesser of two evils, unfortunately. Yeah. See, here's what yeah. I get what you're saying, and I think we agree on a lot of things, guys. Here's the interesting part is that we have an interesting case where it's not just that we lack free will, which is what our podcast is generally about, but we're lacking political freedom in a sense because we're being shoved into a system meant to determine us it being it voting a certain way and so i feel like that kind of freedom can be increased theoretically in the future that can be increased whereas the other kind of freedom that we refute free will actually never is a thing but there's still such a thing as a political freedom there's still such a thing as a democracy it's not yeah. what America has. And I want, I want to echo what Quaid said, said before. I mean, like, even though Bernie didn't win the nomination, in a very important way, he won. I mean, his candidacy not only moved Hillary further to the left, further to progressives, further to what uh, Bernie uh, wanted, but this is just the beginning. This is just the yeah. beginning of Bernie's revolution. I mean, like, by 2020... The people who supported Bernie are going to be much stronger within the, the Democratic Party. And by 224, they're going to be even stronger. So, again, Bernie's main message is that money is controlling our politics, not allowing us a choice. You know, again, of course, the, the free will issue aside. And so he, he in, in a very important sense, he, he, he really is winning. He, he won by pushing us more to the, to the left, to progressives. And and he's created a movement that that has just begun. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, just if you just look at the support for Bernie Sanders, it, it's really it actually surprises me in some ways because I didn't think that that people were that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but but he he's he, I mean he considers himself himself a socialist, right? So so I thought I thought most people in the United States that, that that's a problem that's cringe worthy for them. But for, for me it's not. For me it's 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 a word that that aligns with our, you know, free our lack of free will belief and, and things like that. But uh but I but just seeing the support for him it it it, it kind of you know says oh it says good things about, you know, certain a certain um 
population in the United States, right? So. Yeah. And and what this what it boils down to for me, I, I was conflicted about it for a while too. Like I I I don't necessarily agree with the don't criticize Hillary policy that a lot of Democrats have. I understand it on some level, but it sounds even though I know it's not exactly religious and you're not saying we can't criticize her, just not now. I, I really don't like being told I can't criticize ideas. Uh, but past that, though, at, at this point in time, again, considering the fact that I cannot tell the future, I don't know if tomorrow Jill Stein will rise up or whatever else happens. But as of right now, with these two viable candidates, I have to ask the question, with everything that Bernie Sanders supporters want to accomplish, would you prefer to accomplish it under a system under Donald Trump with him choosing uh, the future uh, members, that's future um, the chair members, or would you prefer to do it under Hillary's system? And the answer for me is Hillary. I, would I think it would be easier to accomplish the goals that Bernie Sanders set out and the, and the things that he talked about under Hillary's system than it would under Trump's system. And another so, thing we're missing, yeah, and the, um, with, with Hillary, I mean, this is historic. You have not men are control 80% of Congress. And, you know, there, there has never been a woman president. Men, women are so underrepresented in American politics at all levels. Um, and this, this results in like a woman, let's say, making 75 cents for every dollar a, a man makes for the same job. I mean, there is such pervasive discrimination against women. Um, Hillary's gonna send two messages. One, the first woman president She's vowed to make her cabinet 50% women, 50% men. So, so as much as like you know the the fairness issue about like how delegates um, you know uh, vote for primary candidates in the in the democratic um, process, as much as that's important, I think maybe the issue of just finally bringing many, many more women into the political process might actually be much more important in terms of creating a much fairer country. That's a good point, too, yeah. But yeah. Guys the types of uh, it doesn't matter, though, I mean, in the sense, I'm concerned about the type of person she's bringing in. Now, she's already brought in Wasserman. I mean, hey, I'm a female. I would like to see a female, but I want to see the right female. And from what I've read, th this is very disturbing to me. Of course, the, the same is true of Trump, but it's disturbing when it comes from a woman. Now, there there's articles published that states that her husband, Bill, sexually assaulted a number of women. And I'm not talking about just like having an affair. I mean, really assaulted. And uh, apparently some of these women have been trying to you know, come out. And from what I've heard, I know this is hearsay, but I'm concerned about the hearsay. I have heard that Hillary has tried to suppress these women, you know, oh, don't, don't hurt Bill. And this sounds like something that someone of her age range may say, uh, like Bill Cosby's wife, for instance. You know, she hasn't wanted to say anything. And I think that these things were happening right under her nose. I mean... There's reports that women right? at her home. So I'm I'm just concerned that someone who may be suppressing this sort of information, I don't know if I really want the people that she elects. 
Um, I also, you know, and, and I want to put that out there for Trump. I, I feel that he's probably sexually assaulted people as well. Again, it's hearsay, but I've heard things. No, it's and, not hearsay. It's, he's, he's, and, well, it's partly hearsay, but he, he actually has documents. He's actually been accused in the court of law. Bill Clinton hasn't. So it is still very much hearsay on, on his part. And again, like to me for this thing, like the things like this are important because I can talk bad about Hillary all day. To me, there's a lot of things wrong with her and the way that she dealt with her campaign that I don't need to start reaching too far into speculation to defame her at all or to, to try to take her. To, I can have legitimate conversations about what she needs to try to change or what was wrong with what happened in the system. But to me, like, it's very hard when you don't put someone, like we have this judicial process where you have to put you have to actually convict someone like has to be a basis for evidence otherwise you're you're flailing you're flailing people with you know i could do that to my neighbor you know i could i could come out with accusations about my neighbor because the guy you know the guy looks creepy and he looks at my wife weird and stuff and sometimes he has girls over and they don't seem to enjoy being over there that much but the truth is i have no idea what's really going on because I was not there. So I think it is also important to set that standard of truth where we can't have conversations to this degree about things that we don't have actual proof of. Maybe they happen, and if they ever come out, it's like, wow, that's really messed up. But there have also been very innocent people who looked very guilty. Yeah, so, especially, especially in politics where you have, I mean, I agree with George. When it comes to these type of things about, you know, talking about uh, Bill Clinton and things like that, Obviously, the Republican Party is going to throw as much stuff, as much as much things that they can, whether it's lies or whatnot, you know, in the direction of the Clintons. So, I mean, I'm sure a ton of it's a lie. So, yeah, whether or not it's a lie, I also don't. I, I don't like throwing accusations that everybody's lying either. I don't know what it, I, I do believe Republicans lie about some things, but I don't know what part of it's lying, what part of it's stupidity. But either way, it doesn't matter. Even if the repercussion is because of stupidity, not because of lying, that's still not a reason to, to say, oh, this actually happened and I should I should take it seriously. Yes. Oh, yeah. And you need I, the evidence, right? Yeah, there's something. Yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying. Yeah, we can't just, you know, set, assume everything that we hear someone being accused of is true. But I will tell you one thing, guys, and I'm sure you guys all know this because you're smart people, is that these these hearsay things these rumors will be enough to sway people's votes they will be because yeah. there will be people who believe it because if because if you already hate hillary or you already hate trump or whatever and then someone tells you oh well they raped 50 people it's like you're gonna yeah. believe it because you're like oh well they're evil so of course they did it you know so yes yeah. the this is another example that i just want to mention that what people are told whether it's true or not they're going to believe it and it's going to change their vote and, and see, that's where Daniel Dennett would say that we have free will because it's obvious to us that a majority of people are highly manipulatable. They seem to, to give in to these cues with non-evidence or media bias and all these things, whereas, at least for me, I feel like I do try to avoid those things. So he's going to point at me and say I have free will, even though I don't agree with that. But just to give some perspective on the, 
on the whole um, compatibilist argument, you know, that's that's they're they're actually concerned with things like democracy. Do we say that you don't have any choice? You know, oh, should we be concerned when you're being coerced by the media to make certain choices? And if you're educated, don't you know better in certain ways that you can make what we would call a freer choice? Um, <laughs> but uh, I still agree that that's still highly problematic. That you know, and it it really does speak to it because even though I'm not coerced by I'm sure I am in some ways. I'm not as, as coerced by the media or as coerced by hearsay or any of those things, or I try really hard not to be. Uh, I'm still going to be coerced by the level of knowledge that I've attained, which, again, I didn't just choose, like, I should learn this. Like, I just did. I opened a book, and it happened to be there, and it's seared in my memory, and it's what I use. Uh, and so in that way, uh, there's, there's no way that I have... Uh, more or less free will, but I guess you could say that um, th that still doesn't mean that there aren't right and wrong choices. That still right. Just because there's no free will doesn't mean there's not right and wrong choices, and your choices can still be more informed, even if they're not free. Yes, right. absolutely. Well said. The compatibilists, yeah, they often define you know their, their term free will as, as just not being coerced by you know other people, basically, and the, the less coerced you are, the more "Quote unquote free will you have, but that kind of bypasses the traditional view of, of free yeah. will, which has to do with otherwise and all that stuff, and and, and a certain sense of moral responsibility that uh, that isn't just uh, utilitarian, basically, but just dessert type of moral responsibility. So that's the problem with that. But. Well, gentlemen, even though it's hearsay, there's too many women, and I think that it needs to be uh, looked into. That you know, he's going to be in the office again yeah. for four years, and he's going to make decisions. You know, as a female, I have been harassed in the past. In fact, I was working at one place where the cook pushed me into a table in front of people. This was back in the late 90s, and said, "What would you do if I raped you?" Yeah, he said it a couple times, and I I told the manager who laughed at me. So, I mean, this kind of stuff was, like, happening. And for, seriously, there's about seven people that are mentioned in this one article, and some of them have names. I will tell you that most women, most, not all, but most women will not say that they've been harassed or assaulted because there's a stigma for it. And then people say, well, what were you doing? What did you provoke? Were you provoking them or whatnot? It's very upsetting. It's like victimizing the victims. You all know this. This is all coming out now. This is what they're saying about the women that were unfortunately sexually assaulted at, you know, at college and whatnot. And and unfortunately, the the people, the perpetrators, they're be, being given six months. Um, you know, it's it's a very uh, upset. I, I think it ranks up there with murder because it's murder of the spirit, as far as I'm concerned. It's not just a physical thing. So. Um, as you can hear in my voice, I'm a bit riled up. I do think that it needs to be investigated further. It's, you know, I, I say sexual assault because it's such, it's more of a technical, like, smoothing over. But, you know, it's rape, and it's very upsetting. And I think that people just kind of put it aside. Oh, it happens all the time. But, no, it's murder of the spirit. And I think that it needs to be looked into. I really, really do. And for someone to gloss over it, it's not right. It's fair to say that it should be looked into. I don't think any, like, it's fair to say if, if there is certain accusations accumulating and maybe some small fragments of evidence or however, I haven't looked into it that heavily, so I can't actually say. But if there's an accumulation of evidence on any level, 
it's fair to say that it should be looked into and investigated, but those are all specific words different from guilty or he did it or, you know, which is, I just want to create the chasm there between, spec, between you know, investigate and look into and this person actually did it and we need to, to dis, we need to start kind of defaming this family because of these accusations. Like, those are two different things. Again, you can, like, it's the one thing to accuse someone of something, as a, even with Trump. Like, Trump hasn't been convicted, okay? I'm not, there are Democrats out there who will do it, who will call him a rapist, okay? Uh, like, I, I, I understand how the court process works, and I understand how, how muddled things can be, especially when you're looking at thousands of pieces of evidence. Like, there's just... There's just a, a ridiculous amount of evidence and millions of different perspectives about those uh, those pieces of evidence, and so it all becomes very tangled. It's it's how you can have a documentary making a murderer and watch the whole thing and then do do more more research after that and still have no clue what really happened, you know? Like, but people will watch the documentary and they'll be like, oh, he he definitely is innocent. But then they'll do then you'll have people who will continue research and they'll be like, he's definitely guilty. And it's just there's too many things going on without the judicial system for people to be throwing around, you know, this is what happened. Or I understand you're not saying that either. I don't think you actually said he ever did it, but I just want to create the you know, the chasm in people's minds that it's okay to look into something, it's okay to investigate. If the evidence is there, by all means put him on trial. Uh, but if, but don't say he's guilty until he's guilty. Right. I, I, hey, I'd like to go a step further than what Quaid's going at. I actually would like to point about, let's say the accusations are absolutely proven to be true or false. Let's say that um, it's proven that the less the candidate, which is the lesser of two evils, is a murderer and a rapist, but there's still the lesser of two evils in the voting system. And yeah. and the, that's just what I'm getting at, is that there's a certain type of thing where we there may there, there's all these accusations thrown at, at people, but then it comes down to somebody may still vote for somebody who they know is a rapist because they agree with their political policies. So in the sense, we could say that these accusations seemingly become irrelevant because it's almost like they may or may not sway people's votes depending on the reason those people vote in the first place. Yeah, Chandler, like, for example, I'm a vegan, and I'm sure that both Trump and Hillary eat meat that has been, you know, that's come from animals that have tortured, been tortured all the time. They're, that's extremely evil. And I, I thank goodness that I don't believe in free will, that I don't blame us, but that is so egregiously evil. And you're right. So, like, we live, live in a very, very evil world, and we're unfortunately, you know, faced with having to, to choose the lesser of two evils, the, the greater of two goods. Yeah, George, I agree 120%. And the reason is that we have a case where I'm not concerned with whether or not the accusations are true or false of whether these politicians murdered or raped somebody. Because the fact of the matter is, if they're not vegan, they are promoting the murder and rape of other animals which are equal in my sight. So that's the thing about it is 
I, I guess, yeah, I, I see where you guys are all coming from, but at the same time, I'm just so overwhelmed by all of the evil. And by the way, Bill Clinton was a vegan for a long time. He's just incorporated a little fish, like, as of recent, I believe. So even though he's being, I mean, in the vegan community, we were always saying, hey, Bill Clinton went vegan, you know? And it's like, now, like, hearing this kind of stuff that he may have um, sexually assaulted these women, you know, it's it's upsetting because, like, there's one part that he's, like, real good, and then the other part... He has possibly a dark history. And yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I wanted to say that Julian, how do you say his last name? Assange, the WikiLeaks, the head of the oh. WikiLeaks. Well, he was accused of sexual assault, too. I mean, that's why I believe he is, um, he has, a, what is it, like the political, um, he has immunity or whatnot. He's not in our country. Where is he? He's in Ecuador, I believe. He's in South America, and I believe that's the main reason because he had uh, he he was accused of sexually assaulting a few women. So here here's another example where now this guy, in some instances, he's a hero because he allowed the truth to come out, even though you know it's coming from illegal hacking. But nonetheless, we we found out what happened, and here you know this guy might have done things too. I saw a documentary about him, and one of the women that was talking about it. She seemed like quite convinced and legit that it had happened. Who knows? Nobody knows. Nobody knows anything unless they're like right there and there's like DNA evidence and whatnot. You'll never know. But it's just it's really upsetting to know that even those that can help people can also have like a really dark path past. Yeah, Monique, isn't that so true that there's people who in some ways there's such moral good people, but they all have a dark side or or an evil side where there's something else they're doing that's horrible. And it's one of those weird things that's helped me understand, well, people are a big ball of causes. And it's like George said, I'm glad that I don't blame them, that I know that they didn't have a choice because otherwise – yeah, it'd be worse. Hitler's a vegetarian. Hitler himself was a vegetarian. He did not eat meat, and he didn't do it for health reasons. He did it because he thought it was unethical to treat animals like that. That's so interesting. I've wait, that wait. My, what I read was that um, he did it for health reasons. His doctor prohibited him from eating meat. I heard that there was. I heard that he had told other officials around him not to eat meat and he talked about the ethical implications i might be wrong i maybe i need to relook it up because it's been a while yeah, yeah. But also the there, there, are people, there are people who are going to deny that the holocaust even happened so yeah be careful yeah about that. yeah so yeah that's the thing yeah, that, that's true yeah yeah and i would like to propose another idea that it's quite possible hitler did it for health reasons but claimed to do it for ethical reasons to gain a reputation or something yeah yeah it's there's always the possible hitler lied <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that, you're right. That's also a possibility. Yeah, um, yeah. Lampshades out of human skin. They made lampshades out of human skin, you know, from the Holocaust. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think people will get will really get away with uh, trying to deny the Holocaust ever happened because I, I don't think they'd convince me of that one. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the, the point though is that the, you, the people are complex and they're not. Everybody wants to believe in absolute evil or absolute good, you know. And those are spiritual paradigms that really don't fit into the reality of the world anymore. 
They're not, you know, pe people have their own moral compasses, and sometimes that involves uh, treating their family members better than people who we consider moral upstanding citizens treat their own family members. Some people are really, you know, like they have a tribal unity um, that that we would consider admirable, uh, but maybe they kill people or, you know, do a lot of those things in their spare time that are are very, you know, evil because people are nuanced. It's not it's not just you're all evil, you're all good. It's a very nuanced yeah, and I so agree with that, Quaid. And here's what's an interesting thing about it is yes, people are complex, but I also like what you said earlier about how it doesn't mean that there aren't right and wrong choices. It's just that you know, it's not up to people, and people have these complex brains where some parts of their brain do something ethical, and other part of their brain does something that's awful. And so that's what's very interesting, is I think that people, how they view the political situation, along with everything else in life, is better to handle when you understand that these, these people are not simple, freely willing people making these choices to be good or evil, but rather through education, they're, they're, and what everything they're taught, their opinions change over time. And, so, and often there's an improvement the more well-versed in information they are. But yeah, it, it really brings a whole new light to it because that's my thing is I, like, I agree that everyone should be able to like, criticize politicians or, or ideas or what anything else. You know, I like things uncensored. But at the same time, I understand that fundamentally no person is good or evil. You can't label that to the person and say that person is that because there is no pure evil or, or pure good person because they are whatever nature and nurture makes them. Yeah, and you have this instinct to create opposition. Like you need, it's it's rooted in us and it's tribalism. It's us against them. We always want the enemy. So, you know, if, if that person is evil and they're not redeemable in any way, which free will will, will which free will would allow, you have to accept them at that point. And you don't want to accept them. You want to create an enemy so you can have an opponent to battle. You know what your mission is, which is to destroy them over there. Yeah, and that's a very harmful mindset, and I feel like I've lost a lot of that since overcoming free will belief. And yeah, now, I don't know if you guys know this, but you know, Monique and I, we started sort of doing our own little separate series that, we'll, that we, we've been recording. And, I, and I, Monique may agree with this, is that like, I think it's good for us to represent what is ideal, what is the, the good and right thing rather than getting into which people are doing it or not. You know, it's, it's about the ethics itself and not attaching it to a person. I think it's good to just think about the facts rather than the people, um, as far as saying, well, this person is doing it, therefore it's good because it's, they're a good person, therefore if they do it, it's good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, yeah. What is our show called? Have we come up with it? It's about celibate... Vegans who are yeah. non-sexual or sexual who are celibate. Yeah, yeah. Right now, like I just titled um, like celibate vegans or whatever. But we we can always change that later on. But yeah, just advocating that veganism and celibacy actually ethically, ethically, all things considered, are the ideals. You know, <laughs> it's and it's hard for people to accept that. Yeah, celibacy with intercourse. I mean, there's a lot of consequences that come from that. And 
if all these like men that have been accused and yes, there's women too, but the men that I'm talking about during this conversation, if, if all of them were celibate, I highly doubt that we would be talking right now if they allegedly sexually assaulted all these women. So it, it would be really nice if people could show their affection beyond like always having to conquer like somebody's body. Um, so I really, I'm really happy to be, uh, be doing this show with you. Chandler. Yeah. Your yeah. next one is going to come out tomorrow, right? It's going to be like the first of every uh, month that it's going to be released on YouTube. Yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> yeah. And so, guys, yeah, I, I and I think this episode where we've been talking about this politics, that we've talked about the idea of what goes into people's votes, what that there is no such real thing as a free choice because it, people, there's all these complex factors that go into people's votes. And I think that's the important thing. It's like, I, I like, and I, I really don't know what will happen politically, and, I, and I'm sure I won't understand it, but yeah, understanding not to blame people for being the way they are or to label them as, as good or evil, as if that's all a person is. I think that's important. Um, and so, let's see, was there anything, other remarks anyone wanted, wanted to add, though? Well, well I, let's I did. Go back. No, go, Sorry, go I was say let's go back to you know what are our choices right now uh, the gentlemen are basically saying hillary or trump uh, as it stands right now because jill stein not enough people know about her if bernie was to be put on the ballot with hillary that would split the vote the vote what about if there was a recount i don't think that bernie wants that because it would be too much money but I mean like an, a delicate uh, recount. See, I believe that Bernie made the speech before the roll call because he had to in order for him to attend that DNC. Uh, this is hearsay. I don't know this for a fact. I don't know the rules. But I believe for him to even have gotten in there and have a roll call for him, he had to pledge his support to Hillary. I think that was the deal, along with getting his ideas over to Hillary. This is what some delegates have been telling me. Now, if he hadn't pledged support to Hillary the night before the roll call, do you feel that he would have had minus 500 uh, estimated delegates? Because it seems to me that there were more Bernie supporters, more Bernie delegates in there. There's an article saying that he lost close to like 200 delegates just because of an action by the DNC. And um, so I'm wondering if there should at least be a, re, a, a recount for, for the delegates. Um, that's, I, I think that that would be fair. And then we, you know, then then we could go on with our lives like, okay, like if Bernie loses this time, we all know the facts now. You know, we all know that these are the reasons that he supported Hillary. Should, you know, should he be put back into the mix for a recount? That would be fair. Do you gentlemen agree with that? Well, um, Monique, for example, um, Trump is a billionaire. And he basically, because of that, you know, bought his way to whatever, you know, with his TV shows, all that he's used his money in a very unfair way. So now we have to like uh, weigh unfairnesses is 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 like giving him the presidency, you know, under those circumstances where he's just like because he's a billionaire, he's able to do that. Um, 
how does that compare to what the Democratic um, Party may have done with Bernie Sanders? Um, again, it's a, it's, we have to consider what's the, the lesser of two evils. I, I think, you know, having, having a billionaire, you know, be able to run for, for president and, 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 and be so connected to corporations that he gets millions of dollars in free media, you know, I think that, that, that seems vastly more unfair to me than what the Democratic Party did to Bernie. I, I would be open for whatever. I would be afraid of that, I, the whole Bernie thing splitting up the, the party, but uh, it would have to be like more unanimous. Like If people were going to support Bernie, they would have to leave Hillary in droves before I would be like, I'm comfortable with this. So that I'm not sure of. But the political landscape, you know, it it's, may have seemed, you know, kind of the same in the past, but it's obviously not. So I, I have no idea what the political landscape tomorrow is going to look like. So my choice, any choices that I make are, are based off of the information I have now, which is strictly Hillary and Trump. Again, maybe, t maybe tomorrow, you know, there's Gary Johnson. There's a lot of, you know, politicians out there. And how much, how much people, how, how many people back them changes my view of the political landscape. So if things happen, they happen. I don't know if I'm going to be behind things like that because I don't know that the motivation is there anymore. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily say like, no, I don't want anything to change. I want this to be this way. But that's that's my two cents. Anyway, just real quick on the Adolf Hitler thing, I did look it up and uh, he, he did legitimately not eat meat for ethical reasons. He said that he it was in Mein Kampf. He abhorred hunting and horse racing and referred to them as the last remnants of a dead feudal world uh, and, and a bunch of other things. He, he said a, quite a few things. So there is some evidence there that it was partly ethical, it, whether or not he was lying, like Chandler said. Um, but he apparently he, it was known there were, certain, there were certain quotes that he had in certain places that made it seem like he, he thought that devouring uh, the, the corpses of dead animals was like, of a past society that we needed to get past that, that we didn't need to get our sustenance from dead flesh. As ironic as it is, it, it's right here. This is in psychology today, by the way. I don't know if that's considered reputable by anybody, but. <laughs> yeah, and Quaid, I mean, we do have to measure that against his treatment of people, you know, like, like. I'm not saying he was a good guy. <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm I know, not I know. Other than in, if the you question... believe it's an ethical choice not to eat animals and to treat animals Quaid, well, I know. The question becomes, how credible is he? Was he? In other words, like, you know, fine, he has those words about animals, but meanwhile, he's like, you know, uh, um, you know, just uh, decimating. I mean, like, to just, you know, killing, what, 12 million people, 6 million well, people? Yeah, I'm not sure what you're arguing against, though. I'm not saying that yeah, he's a good yeah, person. Yeah, right. I'm just no, saying... no. My, my argument, Quaid, is that, like, you know, he was a politician. I'm, I'm wondering whether he was being truthful when he penned those words about the animals. Most people in that society were meat eaters. What advantage would he have to, to lie about wanting to treat animals ethically? Everybody around him thought he was crazy. Like, he had yeah, this really I, strict I diet. Think I think people yeah, but, can have, actually have, like, two different views that they're, they're able to parse between and, yeah. and like, ha not have the cognitive dissonance that they should be having. That's the problem. Like, people yeah. can actually do this. They, they, they can have, have these extreme different views that are crazy one on one end and then on the other end right right and then but but they don't for some reason they don't have the cognitive cognitive dissonance that that allows them to change the one yeah I don't know. speaking Quaid, of 
played in terms of his like you know like most people were were meat eaters right so he was trying to perhaps um portray himself as somebody who was more ethical than the average person i mean it makes sense within that context let's understand that that what he did was what he did to the jews he did that because he believed that that was the ethical thing to do it was his it was the lesser of two evils in his mind right right In, in his mind he believed that that these were you know evil people or whatever whatever you know it was it was for the ethics that he did this so and i speaking of crazy guys there's something i gotta say about hitler I believe that he viewed those other animals as innocent. He didn't view them as guilty or evil or deserving of, of torture. Yet, in some way, he was attributing free will to the Jews and blaming them. And it was maybe his free will belief that humans have a free will that allowed him to blame the Jews and hate them in a way he did not hate the animals. Possibly, but he also did see Jews as animals. He's he also said that a few times. He saw them as like rodents and rats and things. Yeah, I'm not going to deny that Hitler was crazy. Not going to deny that one. One. He's having conversations about a guy here who is nuts and probably doesn't know what's going on in his own head to try to figure out what's going on in his yeah head. yeah it's very interesting trying to guess at what's going on in a dead guy's head i mean that's just that that is a bit weird i will admit but i will say one more thing because about this i know that many vegans for them it is the lesser of two evils to kill humans to protect the other animals as well and that may i'm not saying that was what hitler was doing but i'm just pointing out that you know what the lesser of two evils is this idea that we should always choose the lesser of two evils is a view that I somewhat criticize because I do believe that it can be it can be led to always justifying killing humans because of what they may do to other animals and it's sort of like well lesser of uh, two evils is still evil and I'm just gonna say I I'll never get what I want because I am striving for an ideal. Yeah, but yeah, um, Chandler, your argument is like let's say. Let's say you don't do the lesser of two evils. That might be even more evil than 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 choosing the lesser of those two. Yeah. The, the, the I, thing I know, about it is, I have a hard time saying that it's more evil uh, because I really don't think that it could be more evil to not participate or you know or to not vote in a situation than it can be to actually be doing the the harm directly. I know you guys already did a podcast on the lesser of two evils, and I wish I was in that one because I, I take George's side on that. That that yeah. you have to go with the lesser of two evils. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, well, you know, guys, I'm still waiting to hear back from Mitch on that, on that, on whether we can publish that or not, because he had reservations about it. But I thought it was a good conversation. Yeah. Well, now if I vote for Jill Stein, I'm making a choice, and I have not voted the less uh, the lesser of two evils. I've made that choice, and I've wiped my hands clean of both parties. So what would you say in that aspect? I think Even that's respectable, I- Monique. 
in, in, in some okay. sense, it's respectable, but in the other yeah. sense, it's not practical. In, in, in the other sense, you're, you're basically throwing away your vote. So, so like, I, like I said, if we had this, this other voting system, which I totally support, I think we, we, what we should all be on board is getting instant runoff voting because instant runoff voting would, would solve a lot of these problems that we have. But we don't have that system. And because we don't have that system, if you vote for the, the other person, then, then that vote is just a throwaway vote, basically. And it's a, it's a throwaway vote because you could have voted for the, one of the ones that actually have a chance of getting in. Except she could not have because she has no free will, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, right. Wow. Well, yeah, in terms of perception. But I, I want to say um, you can wipe your hands clean, right, of the situation, which I understand and I sympathize with in a lot of ways, but I also want you to recognize that the results will be the same. Like the consequences that come from your action of, like, so for instance, if, if we do set up this world where Trump truly is worse than Hillary, and you vote for a third-party candidate, and Trump wins because of your non-vote to Hillary, uh, or you know, however you want to, the result will be the same. You have to live with the results of your choices. So while I, I think it's admirable, I'm not even trying to persuade you, by the way, and I wouldn't call you a Trump voter or any of those things that people call people who want to vote third-party, because I, I do want to encourage branching out and trying to see things in more than... trying to see more than two choices, which people seem to be inclined to do in America. Yeah. But apart from that, the, the result, the net result, the impact on the world will be the same. Yeah, like, I, I see what you guys are all saying, and, and, I, and in a way I agree with you all, because here's the interesting part of it, is that there's what is respectable, and then there's what is practical and the actual effects of what we do. And those two worlds are in conflict, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, and it's sort of like, and see, here's the deal: is I'm not, I'm not even trying to persuade um, people to be more of of the practical or more of the idealistic in a way, because I feel like at this point we already sort of are the way we are, the way we're built. Like there's been in my life, there's been a series of events that makes me more idealist, and I feel like Monique is closer to I am on that way. But I feel like. Your practicality, like you three guys, your practicality uh, about this is understandable and, and just as valid at the same time because, yeah. It, well, Chan Chandler, my position isn't about practicality. It's about morality. I would consider, right. for example, if there's a chance that our, let's say, not voting or voting for someone other than Hillary increases the likelihood of Trump winning, I think it would be morally wrong to do that. You know, yeah. to increase the chance of this greater um, harm, you know, possibly happening. Yeah, I see. I get what you're saying there, uh, George, because you're trying to be practical about morality. You're trying to not just be practical, but being practical in a moral context. But it's a very interesting thing, too, because, um, you know, it, it's a little bit different because voting is a little bit different than other situations. Because in a sense, like I compare it to like, like you have to kill one of two people, which is the lesser of two evils to kill, in a sense, you know? And I think about broader terms of the lesser of two evils, but voting's a little bit different, George, in a sense, because it's not like the trolley scenario where the person can actually make 
uh, a difference where what they do counts because we have an electoral college and even if we didn't, even if the majority vote of the people, the numbers of who the majority voted for was counted and that determined the presidency, there's still the problem that you can vote for one person but the majority outvotes you so your vote really doesn't count. And that is why the political system is different from all other moral scenarios. Well, yeah, I'm Chandler, I, like, for example, what if I could vote, I could not vote, I could vote for Trump in New York State, and I could do it, like, with complete um, confidence that Trump is not going to win New York State. But I couldn't do that in Florida or in Virginia and some of these swing states. Yeah. So in, in the states that matter, it is important. One vote could swing the, the entire election. Yeah. Yeah, see, there's an interesting case because, you know, I've seen the movie Swing Vote. I've actually seen that movie, and it was one of the most interesting guy—that uh, guy, well, that interesting movies because that guy in there, you know, well, I gotta say he was a lot like me. It, I still am that way to a certain extent because I I know about as little about politics, although I'm not quite as stupid as him, you know. I'm not I'm not quite that stupid, guys. I will say that, but if there was a swing vote situation where one person, they have that opportunity where their vote is the final vote which is the swing factor to make one president or the other and th then in that kind of situation i would be under all this immense pressure to for everyone trying to convince me to vote for th their person the others trying to convince me to vote for their person and you know what that is Man, that is one of the most awful positions to ever be in. And so, in a sense, I'm grateful knowing that my vote really doesn't count because I wouldn't want that kind of pressure and stress. Hey, can we talk about Hitler again? Because there was somebody that came up to me in <laughs> Philadelphia. Yeah, never and too late to talk about Hitler, is it? <laughs> this is like way conspiracy, but... I, I just want to put it out there since it since she came right up to me and another person and was stating this. So there's a new rendition of Mein Kampf by Hitler out there. She told us to look it up. This was what she was saying. Okay. She said that uh, Hillary and Obama are actually siblings. She said that Hitler oh, impregnated a lot of women around and you know and these no. are some of the world leaders no. and compared Obama to Hitler with Hit, like Obama writing some book that has parallels and oh and then she said that she was the the actual biological mother of Obama is there anything in there that could possibly be true <laughs> who knows if anything could be true but at some point you have to use Occam's razor like the complexities of such things happening would be just there, there would be no, that's not the simplest solution to that the simplest solution is that historically it happened like it did like there's conspiracy theories that Hitler is still alive you know which I think are, are closer to being credible that, I mean people think Obama is Muslim and they think there's legitimate reasons to think that way and it's just like if you look at the guy's behavior and everything he's he does, you know, like you have to get conspiratorial for something. And the whole point, the uh, conspiracy theories by their nature are an argument from ignorance. 
they rely on the lack of information in a lot of circumstances. They try to parse together small cherry-picked ones, but they, the, the premise of most of them is the government is trying to cover this up. So my question first about that would be, is, is they, uh, they have to think the government's covering it up, right? They have to think that people are covering it up, which means it's an argument from ignorance. We don't have this information because the government's trying to cover it up, therefore you should think it's true. So it just seems <laughs> that's too over the top for me. I'm sorry. Like that's way too. But by, by the way, um, I have I have another question about Trump and Hillary. Now, what is the, what are their stances on climate change? Hillary sees it. He thinks it's a hoax. That's what the I'm, TV is saying, at least. And, and of course, yeah. Hillary believes it. Science. Okay. Yeah. So, so Trump, yeah, so Trump thinks that climate change is a hoax, but but Hillary doesn't, right? right. Yes. At least, yeah, at least that's our our best guess based on what they've said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, see, this is important, guys, because if a swing vote vote situation ever did happen, or somebody was was basically giving me a literal gun to the head, saying Chandler, you have to vote for the lesser of two evils, then yeah, I guess I'd vote for Hillary, but. You know? Yeah, well, well, Hillary actually—I mean, you can say what you say, want to say about Hillary, but she actually does know the facts about reality, whereas yeah. whereas Trump doesn't know a single thing. I mean, he, he, everything he says is just totally obscure and yeah. doesn't make any it, sense. But- yeah, by the way, guys, I read something, uh, uh, some link that was posted on Facebook about Trump bragging about his penis size. Oh. And B. Johnson took his, like, thing out of his pants one time it, when he was talking about the Vietnam War. And he's like, take a look at this. So, I mean, that's nothing new. He used to urinate on the White House lawn. He was very um, crude. By the way, does anyone possibly think that Trump is on drugs? <laughs> I don't know. I, I always thought he might be just one, one big, large milligram experiment you, you guys familiar with the milligram experiment where you zap the person yeah and, uh, and you or you do we have one person zapping zapping another person they think they think they're zapping another person but in reality they're not uh so i think it's some, some kind of experiment <laughs> on us to see how crazy he can get yet yet people will still vote for him <laughs> wow that reveals a lot about how weird americans are doesn't it yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting because I mean, look, I know that Trump has insulted insulted women. Um, which we, I remember there was the video he, him calling Rosie O'Donnell a uh, fat pig or whatever, which which yeah. is which is one of those weird weird things. And then I I read something about him bragging about his penis size, and it's like, and I man, it's like, <laughs> it's weird because. We have some crazy, crazy stuff going on. It's like, how bad do, is there a point at which someone is so bad that people won't vote for them? I don't think there's a point. There's always going to be someone who votes for them, no matter how bad they are. He also thinks there's a link between uh, autism and vaccinations. So just also putting that out there, like that. He's he's bad in a lot of different ways, scientifically speaking. He's, right, he's, and Ch- Chandler, like you know, we were talking about Hitler before, and we could talk about the the terrorists. I mean, Trump and the Republican Party pose a much graver threat to human beings than all these other groups combined. I mean, climate change is that serious. So, like you know, you talk about like the Republican Party being evil. 
I mean, every, every other evil we, we've experienced, you know, it may not happen in, in a decade or two, but if we continue to not do anything about climate change, they'll have committed, you know, such, such evil, on, more, more evil than, than really, than, than every other evil that has ever been done. Yeah, considering climate change, I mean, yeah, I would say you'd, you'd be right about that. And but here's what's very interesting about it, guys, is it, it's very tricky because then it, this becomes a battle of science, and then it becomes a battle of getting people to change and not eat the steak as much as they want to because they everyone has to go vegan to stop climate change. They really have to. I don't see any other way. Agreed. Plus, going with, you know, clean energy. I mean, people should just go with solar at this point. It's much cheaper. There should be poorer people should be able to have it. I mean, they're trying to get it down in Africa. So I, the two things, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Clean energy. I, I okay. Yeah. Yeah, just saying that clean energy and everyone going vegan would basically eliminate almost all of the carbon going into the atmosphere and even reverse things. Yeah, electric cars. It's all, it's all coming. It's just it's just slower than we we want it to come. Yeah, it's not fast enough to av to avert the worst disaster that has ever happened. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I'm I'm really curious, Chandler, because you seem to be the expert on this. Um, the Bible in Revelations. I know that they talk about the trumpets a lot. Have you ever thought about Donald Trump and trumpets? <laughs> and being <laughs> So since we're talking about climate change, there's a lot of like things that happened to the earth during Revelation. So just putting it out there, I thought it would be interesting. <laughs> oh, that's a funny one. Uh, well, but I'd have to say my mom's the real expert on the Bible. She studies it all the time. But yeah, it, 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 there's, what's interesting, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Monique, though, because here's the deal. There are Republicans and Christians and stuff who, they want to see the end of the world. When climate change happens yeah. and all these things are happening and the world seems to be ending, they'll be like, oh, it's Bible prophecy. And they're going to congratulate it because they think that this end thing is a pro pro prophesied thing that's God's will that's supposed to happen. And so that's why, and they don't believe that, that humans can affect the climate and that humans can, can theoretically at least, if they all agreed, stop it. Because they're working under a whole different framework of reality um, with their religion than the reality that we're actually living in. So that's another thing. Yep. Okay, well, climate is mentioned a lot in Revelations, right? I mean, there's... I'm going to wait for the rivers to start running red before I start... You know, it says a lot of things in Revelations that there's got to, you know, I'm waiting for the seven-headed dragon to come, you know, out of the abyss. And then and then we'll talk about the validity of... Trump of says blood's coming out of her eyes and wherever else. Maybe that's why the waters uh, are turning. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I got to admit, Quaid, it would be a little bit cool to see the seven-headed dragon. I yeah, mean, I, I really hope not to, but at the same time, that'd be a cool sight. Yeah. <laughs> I'd also would... like to see unicorns. Yep, that would be nice too. There are unicorns. There are. It's been proven. There was a fossil. Didn't you hear about that? Like five months ago. <laughs> oh. Oh man, uh, Monique, we're Star gonna Wars? have to do an episode about unicorns. You and I on our series because I love unicorns. <laughs> I gave you that information though. It, it is true. There was a horn on it and everything. It didn't look as beautiful as 
you know, our fictionized ones, but they did. There was something with a horn. Yeah. Well, there's, that. There's, oh, there's, there's, there's some unicorn animals, like the nar yeah. narwhal or whatever, which is yeah, the narwhal. fish. Yeah, yeah. I read uh, about how there were people who were 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 killing narwhals and taking their horns and selling them as unicorn horns because there are superstitious people who believe unicorn horns to have magical healing properties. <laughs> and it, it's really weird. And not to mention, Monique, unicorns are mentioned in the King James Bible. Yeah. <laughs> fun, really? fun, yeah, fun fact. <laughs> did, did they have wings? Did the did the uh, fossil have wings? Yeah, it, that'd be a Pegasus if it had wings. And if it has a horn and wings, it's an alicorn. Okay, never mind. I'm bad at mythology. Oh well, yeah. I, I hey, I learned this stuff from My Little Pony, guys. I, I'm an expert in in, in mythical horses. <laughs> Well, I was the treasure for the My Little Pony Club back in the late 80s. So. Yeah, Monique should have been my sister. <laughs> she really should have been. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, anyway, yeah, we went, we went from, from politics to climate change to unicorns and dragons, man. Um, I and I'm, I'm supposed to be in bed soon, but it, it, I, I just want to make sure we haven't missed any other important statements that we want to make before I end this podcast. <laughs> I want to make an announcement. I, I just created this new meetup group in White Plains. It's called People Who Need People Exploring Relationships. Because basically what we're doing with refuting free will is like minimizing blame and hatred and anger and all that stuff. And what's so cool is like I started the meetup. I mean, the, uh, an email went out about it yesterday. And there's almost 150 people signed up uh, about it uh, for it already. It's very cool. Cool. Yeah, I saw that come in my inbox actually today. Yeah, cool. All right. We can never have too much help on our relationships. Yeah, because I mean, is anyone going to be going like on these Bernie websites and exploring different people's opinions? And because again, you're talking about the lesser of two evils, and that you know people will probably be voting for Hillary. Uh, but again. On these sites, I've seen probably one out of ten people saying that they'll vote for her. And the others are going to go for a third party. Now, of course, those are groups of people that are just for Bernie. But still, it's I, I still don't know if people are really... I, I think that the party has not been unified by him doing what he did. I really think it's been de-unified. So is anyone... what? What, I don't know. what are you I, Monique, I, read... I got some information on that basically like at the time of the convention like between um Hillary and Obama there were more people who were like still siding with Hillary than are still siding with Bernie I, I mean the figure that I read was that um that basically um Bernie to to Hillary supporters had climbed to like 85% already so, so, you know, you may have some very vocal ones that are like, you know, still holding out, but thankfully, you know, mo most of them have, you know, and, and that's, you know, and, and if, if the same thing happens this year it ha that happened in 2008, you know, uh, way over 90%, 95% higher will ultimately change. Because, I mean, I, again, like, um, I think people recognize that Bernie's revolution has been successful. It's just a matter of time now. And, and, and yeah. like Hillary with Hillary in the, the White House, it's going to like it's going to expedite that change. I, I did read a, in a few places. I, I think I, I read that 
30% of uh, people that supported Sanders won't vote for Hillary. And then in another one, I read about half won't. So, so I'm getting different, different conflicting views on that. So I'm not sure what, what it is, but, but the prob I, I think it's very problematic and, and I think it's going to cause problems and, and it, it might bring Trump into, into office because of it. So unfortunately, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, I really think he should have done that speech after the roll call because it just looks staged by him doing it. No, I think it's, I think it's helpful that it, that he says he's, he's supporting Hillary at this point. I, I, don't, I don't think it, uh, it after roll call, though. He He's should have done it after the roll call instead of before. It looked yeah, like a stunt yeah. for him doing it before. It really did. Right, right. I think he, he must have cut a deal, you know, because, like, politics is really about, you know, compromise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, ultimately, he's, he would ha he would have had to, you know, support Hillary. I, I, that's just the way it is. For any Anyone in the Democratic Party that doesn't make it has to go with the person that does and say, yeah. yes, that's who they're now supporting. That's just the way, you know, that's just the flow of things. And it, yeah. There's obviously, he's not, gonna, he's not going to support Trump. So, yeah, there's a lot of deals and trades and secrets, but that's not what people want. No, they don't want it. And so. I think it's very important for us to recognize that however we vote that we think is the lesser two evils or, or the most practical thing or whatever, it's sort of, I, I just, I think the value of these discussions is not, it's not so much about con, uh, convincing people to vote for people, but just understanding the bigger picture and what's really going on. Right, but Chandler, in terms of like, you know, um, deals not being what people want, I mean, like, you could, you know, say that about the, the entirety of human reality, you know, like, right. you know, if, if we had our preference, everything would be blissful, everything would be perfect. We have to deal with the world as it is. Exactly. Yeah, you probably make the lesser of two evil choices possibly more than you think if you would if you would think about possibly. I don't know. You'd have to think about like, do you drive a car, you know, at all? Or does your mom drive a car, but you have to get to work? So you have to choose between getting to work and maintaining your life or in destroying the, you know, the earth by sending in sending out CO2. And, you know, like you're making a choice between two things, you know, between two things that really aren't that good, getting fired at work. Or, uh, or hurting yeah. the earth. That, that's that's another example of one of those things where it's 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 one of those yeah that's the thing um, is because yeah it's like in the sake of survival people do things that that will cause some sort of harm and and by by the way speaking of which actually neither my mom nor I have had a car for many many years actually. But that's one thing about it is because of that, I've base I'm basically determined that I'm never gonna drive a car for so many reasons. Cause even if there were electric cars, there's the issue. I have no peripheral vision and I'm easily distracted. Yeah, but but how do you get to places? <laughs> that's the thing is, I walk to work and anywhere else that requires driving, I don't get there. <laughs> you, you don't ever take a bus or anything like that. Um, act, actually, um, I, I don't, I don't really travel anywhere except where, where I walk or ride my bike to. Although my mom has been able to make use of the oats, uh, which is a transportation system that she can, she can pay a small fee and, and get taken some places like the library. So that's, that's, that's very good for her. Well, mo most people, a lot of, most people aren't in, in walking distance to everywhere that they can, that they need yeah. to be. So, yeah, it's a very tricky thing. And my, I, I'm just, like that's the point, guys. Is that 
yeah, it's like they have to do that. But the the ideal thing, which I always want to state, even though it won't happen, the ideal thing that I promote doesn't seem to be happening. But if we, if people restructured society in such a way where everybody could walk to everything, you know, that was important or, or some other form of transportation that was not putting out CO2, then yes, the society could still function without the use of gasoline cars. And that may happen in the future as with fewer future things being invented. So there's a still, well, the ideal thing is still possible. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think your grocery store would exist without the uh, transportation yeah, system. Think about it. And, and, I mean, and the perfect world I want, I wouldn't be working at a grocery store. I, store. I'd be a, a farmer and I'd be selling my, my stuff at a local country market sort of a thing. And <laughs> it'd be cool. Maybe you can start a garden at your home and... I, I yeah. want to, but we don't have a yard. We actually don't have any yard. <laughs> That's I'm so pissed about that. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah. I don't. There are, there are certain fruits and vegetables that you could probably um, grow indoors on a small level. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, it's getting time. I, I, I yeah, I'm yeah. supposed to be in bed eight minutes. Um, is it okay with everyone if I end this podcast? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. You've been listening to Free Will, Science, and Religion, and the co-hosts have been talking about some interesting things about politics and the lesser of two, two evils, Hillary and Trump, climate change, unicorns, dragons, and every 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 imaginable top, topic. And it's been a lot of fun, hopefully educational and entertaining, and stay tuned for future episodes. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.